Maniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and before I get any further into anything, I want to put over a new podcast that is going to be starting up uh, from my old buddy, Corey Byram. If you don't remember... Corey gave me an opportunity to perform as just plain old me, not Phantom Troublemaker, but just me, at a a series of shows that he hosted called The Iceberg, and I have the audio from my performance at The Iceberg uh, that went up in December of 2014, I think, on the show, but it was a fantastic opportunity. I got to get up in front of people and talk, and it was just... It was amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I need to do more stuff like that. But anyway, Corey is launching a new podcast called Unknown Caller. The premise is that it's anonymous storytelling. He has a voicemail uh, inbox set up, and you can call in and tell a story that you wouldn't necessarily want your name attached to. Uh, I have a couple of stories like this. I've probably got more than a couple of stories like this. But anything that maybe you want to get off your chest or you think is entertaining or funny, but you don't really want the people you know knowing about it, you can call in to the unknown caller and he will put it up on his podcast. And I think it's a great concept. I'm totally behind it 100%. If you look up Unknown Caller Podcast on Facebook, you'll find the Facebook page. And that'll give you a link to his Tumblr page. And that'll give you all the information you need about how to call this voicemail box and leave a message for Corey's new podcast. And we're going to have Corey on the show sometime in the next couple of weeks to talk about Unknown Caller. But go check it out right now. Unknown Caller Podcast on Facebook. Uh, You can also check out Unknown Caller on Tumblr. Uh, It has not launched yet, but I think... Possibly, as this episode of the Needless Things podcast is launching, uh, the very first unknown caller might be available because he said he's already got a couple of stories lined up and ready to go. Corey is a fantastic guy. He is a a uh, creative inspiration. He's one of those guys that makes things happen and that inspire you to be a better entertainer. So please do check out the Unknown Caller podcast uh, wherever you can find it. Certainly within the next week or so you will be able to. So now I want to talk a little bit about a story. I did not get to do much of an intro last week because things were very rushed. And while uh, we'll get to why things are rushed this week, but I do have a story I want to share with you guys. So... I try to be very understanding with my son because my father was, he was not, and look, he's not a horrible guy. He didn't abuse me. You know, it's dad stuff, but he was not very understanding with me. I remember coming home and telling him things and, uh, I, I've, I've been saying for years, his pet answered anything that I said was, huh? And I try to be very conscious of that in dealing with my son. I try 
to think back and remember how things were when I was eight years old or, or, you know, as years go on, I try and relate to him. I try and think about what was important to me at the time and how I felt at the time. And he came home the other day and my wife was at work. So it was just me and him hanging out. And he I asked him how school was because I always ask him how school was. And I don't need, I don't need a rundown. I don't need, oh, I learned this, this, this. But I just want him to, you know, relate something about school, something that he learned, uh, just so we can have, you know, that sparks a conversation. And he said, well, we had a mean substitute today. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, if I had come home and told my dad we had a mean substitute, he would have said, well, that's the sort of thing that's going to happen. And she probably wasn't that mean. And I mean, I've got things to do. I have a paper to read or, or the news to watch or whatever, you know. You know, uh, I'm sure plenty of you out there had a similar baby boomer dad experience. Um, but I thought back and I remembered, you know, this sparked something in me because I'm very, the whole reason I do this podcast, the whole reason I started needlessthingsite.com was to, to have memories, to think back over my life, to have stories to tell, to, to, to keep my brain going basically. And this conversation with my son made me think back to second grade when I had a substitute teacher and we had, you know, my second grade, I don't have a lot of memories of it, which is probably good because most of the memories I have of school are bad ones, bad teachers, uh, being bullied, things like that. So second grade must have been a pretty good time because I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I do remember this. There was a girl in our class and I don't remember her name. But she was overwhelmingly polite. And when I say that, you must understand that I was raised by Southern Baptists. And manners were the absolute tip-top of my youth training. So I was a very polite kid. But this girl, this young lady, was overwhelmingly polite. The the nerdy sort of polite that is parodied in the very worst of television shows. And we were in class, and we had a substitute teacher, and she was going around asking, I don't remember what, it was second grade, I, I was nine, who knows, but she asked this girl a question and gave her some sort of directive, and the girl said, yes, ma'am, because that's what she did. She said, yes, ma'am. She said, no, ma'am. She said, please. She said, thank you. She was the epitome of politeness and correct social graces. Well, this substitute, apparently not used to this sort of thing out of nine-year-olds, jumped down this girl's throat, told her she was being disrespectful, uh, was, was threatening to give her disciplinary action, and everybody in the class had to jump to this girl, this poor girl's defense, and say, no, 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 she's very polite, she's nice, she, she says, yes ma'am, every time, and, backed this person down essentially explained the situation and uh that was a powerful experience for me because not only was it one of the few times in my childhood where i was actually relating to my peers because that's something i had a problem with but it's also a time possibly the first time where I recognized that adults were fallible. That they were not always right. 
that sometimes they they make mistakes or are wrong and that's powerful too because when you're a kid you know looking up two feet above you at these grown-ups who are wearing grown-up clothes and doing grown-up things and clearly have lives and have decisions to make i don't know that it really occurs to you when you're a child that there is a margin for error that mistakes can be made and that's one of my first conscious memories of realizing wow they're not perfect they they might be wrong sometimes so that was that was interesting to and i told my son that story i told him about it because i'm trying it's it's there's nothing harder and nothing more rewarding than being a parent because i know exactly you know i'm i'm going to be 40 very soon as i keep belaboring on the show uh, believe me, you'll know it when I hit 40 uh, in just a month here. But uh, I, I want to relate to him. And as I get older, I don't want to lose that memory of youth and of learning. And uh, you know, I'm very aware of, or I try to be aware of his worldview. And I don't want to poison it. But I also don't want him raised in this idealistic fantasy that I was raised in because it, in the long run, it hurt me. In the long run, I was not, in the long run, I was not prepared for the realities of life. Uh, so it's a fine line you have to walk between protecting their innocence and preparing them for the harsh realities of the world. So if that's not grim enough for you, <laughs> uh, I have another uh, slightly different story. We have a puppy that you may have heard, and I've certainly mentioned on the show. Her name is Luna. She is a Corgrador, which is a Corgi-Labrador mix. Yes, you heard that right. And she is the cutest puppy on the planet. We had her spayed about a month ago, and her stitches, she has one stitch left. And I don't know how familiar you are with the spaying process, but it leaves an unsightly wound for a while until it heals. And there's still, there's still kind of a scar. And I feel bad because you're like, well, it's a dog. They don't care. But I'm also like, oh, look at her poor little tummy with the scar. But the worst part is this stitch is working its way out of her. And it's this big, you know, stitches are, are not string. They are thick and stiff. So when you rub her tummy, and, and I just did a little while ago, not realizing that this thing had not completely come out yet. So I'm rubbing her tummy, and then I move it down, and this stitch is sticking out of her poor little belly. And it was just, ah, it, it was horrifying. I had a moment of upsetness. Believe you me touching that stitch how do you think she feels though once again trying to put myself in the shoes of this this uh being that i am bringing up in my home all right so there you go there is your intro for this week the show this week is myself and beth a constant longtime contributor to needlessthingssite.com talking about zombies uh this show was cursed from the beginning and it was not always about zombies, but I explained that in the conversation portion, so you'll hear that in just a bit. I don't need to belabor it here. 
but it took a few tries to get this thing happening. Uh, but what the end result is a really fun conversation with one of my oldest friends on the planet about zombies, about how we discovered some zombie movies together, about how we feel about zombies in media, about where we are now. And we close things talking briefly about one of the greatest zombie movies, greatest and most innovative zombie movies of all time. And we also discuss The Walking Dead and our only slightly different views on it. I was a little surprised. You guys may know that I loathe The Walking Dead television show. And you, if you read the site, you know that Beth still watches it. We had a little conversation about that right at the end. And I think you guys might be surprised to hear how that goes. But uh, let's go ahead and get to it. I've got to mention, of course, that Needless Things podcast is available on iTunes and on Stitcher. And, of course, at NeedlessThingsSite.com. .com? I don't know what that was. Where five days a week you will find the podcast and articles from all of our various talented Needless Things irregulars about all manner of pop culture dorkery. You'll dig it. Please tell your friends about it. And now it's time to get to some hardcore zombie action. listeners because we're going to go ahead and start now while things are recording and before everything goes to shit like it has been <laughs> this episode uh it was seemingly doomed from the start because it was supposed to be uh, about season two of buffy and while chad was of course ready to talk about every second every frame of that season from the start you and i beth needed to maybe catch up maybe refresh a little bit I don't don't lump me in with your laziness. I, I was ready to go. I just needed a mild refresher. But you'll you'll be better off reviewing your favorite episodes again before we record. For sure. Oh, okay, fine. I'll I'll let you have that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't don't leave the the freaking host as the only one that didn't do his job. But <laughs> well what happened is you know, we recorded season one and I was like, oh, that was cool. I had just watched all of season one and I really wasn't thinking about the fact that season two is, you know, 22 episodes or whatever. Yeah, I forgot about that. So it's going to take longer. And also, uh, you know, I had just watched 13 episodes of Buffy over the space of a few days and then I watched like seven or eight more and that was enough Buffy for, you know, a little while. So it took, I had to kind of stop and recharge with other things. But anyway, uh, so season two of Buffy is going to be coming sometime in May, and we got together yesterday to talk, last minute decision to talk about just X-Men in general. And we talked with Chad for about an hour and a half, hour, well, uh, not about, it was an hour and 26 minutes. And then the power went out at my house like six times over the space of two minutes. And the recording stopped, everything stopped, and we didn't have time to do anything else, so... Uh, Chad is not available tonight due to parental duties, which I understand. So it's just me and Beth, and we are going to talk about zombies. But the good news is, before I 
started the call, I pulled up the recorder, and I did find the file from yesterday. So you guys will get to hear that whole deal uh, right before X-Men Apocalypse comes out. We'll have a special X-Men episode, and we'll finish up that talk and just tack it on to what we've already got. But tonight, we're going to talk about zombies, because if there is one thing that Beth and I can talk about and have talked about for the past almost 20 years, it is zombies. I don't even like zombies. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, damn it. Well, <laughs> then we can talk about ballet instead. Yeah, that's totally more me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds about right. Uh, so, I mean, zombies, yes, have had kind of a recent resurgence with the popularity of The Walking Dead, but ever since Night of the Living Dead, zombies have been a thing, or at least zombies as in the modern sense of the word, flesh-eating reanimated corpses, which technically uh, are not zombies, but that's that's what George Romero turned them into. So, my first zombie experience, I, I, I'm not positive, but I think the first zombie movie that I sat down and watched the whole thing and enjoyed was Return of the Living Dead. I think that was my first one. Do you remember, Beth, what started you down the path of undead obsession? Um. Well, first off, I think... Um they're in zombies are in yet another resurgence because I feel like they started to resurge a little bit like with uh Shaun of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead or the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, you're right. The Dawn of the Dead remake did kick off uh, another little resurgence, didn't it? Which actually I've got that playing in the background right now. <laughs> I got to, I got I, to enjoy a pre-movie interview uh from Zack Snyder, who's not the most popular person on the planet right now, but he did a damn good remake, I think. Yeah, I liked it a lot. But, uh, you know, they, they kind of, they go in waves like vampires and most of the other monsters of old. Yeah. Uh, uh, granted, they're not as old or as we know them as old. Even, even the mummy <laughs> got, has had a, had a resurgence within the past couple of decades. Hey, I like, uh, I like the first two yeah. Brendan Fraser mummies. <laughs> How can you not like Brendan Fraser? Uh, easily. And it's the same guy that directed Deep Rising, which we all know is freaking awesome. I, I will admit that is one of my favorite monstery kind of movies of all time, but <laughs> that not does so much not make Brendan Fraser good. Oh, come, well, um, he had nothing to do with that, so I, I, I shouldn't even have made that connection, other than the Stephen Summers connection. Yeah. Um, I think as far as... What got me into zombies, though, would be probably like a lot of other people would be the original Night of the Living Dead. You know, I didn't uh, watch I didn't watch the original for years because it was black and white. And I was I, I like many people, you know, don't don't get angry at me, Beth or listeners. But I went through uh, quite a long phase where I had no interest in anything that was black and white. It's okay. I'm the same way with foreign movies. I won't watch it unless you overdub it into English. Oh, really? Or at least horror movies. Horror movies. Well, that I mean, I used to be like that. I used to want the dub, but at some point, and and I hate it when this happens. You know how so, sometimes somebody will point something out to you that you'd never noticed before, like oh, hey, like at work. Hey, have you ever noticed how that one 
uh, office, there's always a clicking noise coming through it, and you'd never noticed it, but then they point it out, and uh, all you hear all day long is the clicking noise. With with subtitled movies, somebody once pointed out, to, or with foreign movies, somebody once pointed out to me, ah, I can't stand watching dubs because when you watch their mouths move, it's just so distracting. And I had never consciously paid attention to that before. But as soon as that was pointed out, it started bugging the shit out of me, and I had to start watching subtitles. See, I feel like if I'm watching the subtitles and trying to read the movie, I miss little things that are happening here and there on the screen. I agree with you. I mean, you totally do. Because I, I, I tried to watch The Horde before on Netflix, and they only have the French. I think it's French. <coughs> The Horde? I don't know that I even know The Horde. It's actually really good. Um, I couldn't watch it until I went and found it on YouTube with an overdub. And once I watched it with the overdub, it was great, and I really enjoyed it. And I recommend it. The Horde. Everybody make a note. I'll, uh, I'll have to check that out. Although now, I'm uh, I'm actually in a phase where I can't even do subtitles because I, I tend to, if I'm watching a movie, it tends to be later at night and I'm like, I'm, I'm either tired or, uh, inebriated. I can't be dealing with all these words on the screen. There are that's plenty. There, that's why I like overdubs. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. So now, but they're, now they're both ruined for me. So I don't <laughs> know what the hell to do, but you know what? I do know what to do that's because cool. there are plenty of domestic movies to enjoy. Uh, so, Night of the Living Dead, you th- you think, it probably with as much certainty as I think Return was my first one, you think that was first. What captivated you about this, I guess, genre or these creatures? Well, I was pretty darn young when I watched it. I know that because I also remember seeing Return of the Living Dead when it first came out and being enthralled by that. But that was all 80s flashiness. Right. Which L- I, I also Linnea enjoyed. Quigley flashiness. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's one of the <laughs> finest moments in cinema. Oh, when she's dancing on the grave? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you and I have different ideas of we, what cinema means, I we, think. <laughs> we do, and that's what makes this so fun. <laughs> so Night of the Living Dead, eventually uh, I did watch it. And unfortunately, at that point, I'd seen because you you got to see it kind of fresh, and and didn't have any kind of presuppositions about what zombies should be or anything like that. So well, what? How did it? If affect you didn't know what you were in for, then it was kind of gross. You know, if that was the first zombies you'd seen, and they're they're sitting there eating what looks like entrails to your young mind, or I guess in the sixties, young mind. Um, it's pretty gross looking, even though it is in black and white. And, you know, the social commentary, of course, did not resonate with me when I was eight or nine or whatever the hell age I was when I saw it. No, no, of course not. You know, and, and now I, of course, ignore the social commentary of it because to me it's so kind of done. Even though Terry and I disagree heavily on... What makes a good zombie movie? He likes social commentary. I I can live without it. I, it depends on how heavy-handed it is, and, and even within Romero's films, uh, there have been times where I've kind of dug it. I, I don't like the uh, they're just like us. 
Like that's nonsense. No, they're not. They're flesh eating monsters and they must all die. Uh, yeah. but, but as far as class struggle and stuff, it was, it was more subtle. I think you and I really disagreed about, uh, there was Island of the Dead and then Diary of the Dead. Land of the Dead. Well, I believe I, is the one we disagreed about. Well, I, I hated Land of the Dead. I, oh, okay. Then, then it must have been Diary, which I just dis, disliked immensely. Yeah. I liked Diary and I did not like Island, right? Island is the one where they're trying to get him to eat horses. Uh, isn't that Survival of the Dead? Is that Survival? I, May, yeah, I, you might be right. Like, there's some soldiers in it, and they're yes, so Survival of the Dead. They're so overwhelmingly soldiery that yeah, they kind I of lose all context. Did not like that one. No, that was that was weak. Okay, so there. Well, there. So you go. it must have been Diary of the Dead that we disagreed on so much. Yeah, I I, I dug that one. I thought it worked all right. I thought it was a decent use of uh, uh the. I guess found footage is what you'd consider that because uh, the the shaky cam. It was it was surprising that that an actual filmmaker was able to switch styles like that and go to that whole style and do it well. Yeah. Well, I'd do it and do it in a way that didn't make me nauseous anyway. <laughs> okay. Yes. I. That I can. <laughs> uh, but but going back to the beginning. Uh, Night of the Living Dead is very, certainly in the context of its times, which is how I had to grow to appreciate it. Uh, it is gruesome and, and upsetting, but having seen Return of the Living Dead first, to go back to that, I was like, well, the, first of all, they're not running. They're just sitting around. Like, why are these things such a problem? They don't even move fast. Like, you just dodge around them. It's not a big deal. So I had been... Uh, my, my context had been spoiled by, by what should have been a later movie. And I think that's happened with me a lot because I'm often a late comer to classic stuff. Uh, I, I didn't see, fortunately I waited on Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead to, till I was a little smarter and, and wiser, I guess, and could appreciate them more. And I did, like Dawn of the Dead, it, it is, I don't know that it's my favorite. Because Return was my first, and I still love the the shock and the fun of that movie. But if you're talking about sort of serious zombie movies, these are serious zombies doing serious things, then Dawn of the Dead, I think, is, is still the best, the original Dawn of the Dead. And and it's really not even that serious when you watch it, because I laugh my ass off every time I watch it when they say stupid shit, because, well, let's face it, Romero may be the father of zombies, but he's not the best with writing dialogue so when characters say when characters say stuff like yeah we got this by the ass (laughs) uh, i'm not taking that seriously (laughs) yeah but the tone the the intended tone of the movie uh is is certainly to to be taken seriously and as as a kid i i definitely can see where watching return of the living dead first would jade your perception a little bit because once I saw Return of the Living Dead I was like, ooh, all zombie movies should totally be like this and there should be somebody going brains all the time and there yes. should be the, the guy going, send more cops. Which in retrospect is all very silly. Zombies are really, you know, they shouldn't be talking. That's all nonsense. But uh, I, I've always been kind of a more, like, I like energy. I like fun. I, I like everything to be just a little silly. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can appreciate more serious stuff, but 
that that's just Return of the Living Dead is just more to my taste, and even the sequels, I, I just like really, that style. Huh? Even three through five. Uh, I really like three because I find how personal and small scale that story is to be very interesting and different. Um, Dude's like three. I don't know why. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. That girl sticking glass in her face. Yeah. And you got know, it. Well, you know what's funny though is when I was younger, uh, you know, I kind of got a kick out of that. I was like, oh, look at that hot chick. Whoa, it's it's sticking nails through her hand and stuff. And like as I get older, I was like, boy, that's kind of deranged. What what is wrong with me that I dug that? So now, <laughs> like now, I appreciate it on a different level of the, the actual horror of it, as opposed to the whoa, that looks cool. Uh, factor of it, but I, I do still like that one. And even the the sci-fi original, uh, Rave to the Grave, and one of them was horrible. Necropolis. And Necropolis. That was the other one. Necropolis. Necropolis and Rave to the Grave. I think Rave to the Grave, much to my surprise, was the one that I was able to sort of sit back and enjoy. And and maybe well, it was hysterical and stupid. Yeah, and it, well, and it was also it, it was a sci-fi movie. I mean, it, it was. I think Necropolis was trying to be more than it than it really should have. It was it was reaching for the stars and only had the resources to make it to maybe the top of a small hill. I can't remember off the top of my head which one came first, but I feel like Necropolis would have come first because they realized after that that. No, that wasn't going to work. Let's just go stupid and do Rave to the Grave. Yeah, and I, I, I think you're – well, they came out right around the same time. I want to say they came out they in October of the same year. Really close to each other. I remember I reviewed both of them for Noel's website at the time. Yeah, which uh, we'll, we'll put it over here, dorkdroppings.com. Go check that out. Uh, but I, I think I remember watching the first one and being like, ah, fuck this. And then Rave to the Grave, something about it, or maybe I just didn't have anything to do I decided to give it a shot, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this one's fine. This is fun and stupid, and, and I can dig it. Uh, do you have do, – does the type of zombie matter to you, or is it really just about the storytelling? Like, do you have a zombie preference, or is it kind of just like, well, it's a zombie movie, and as long as it does you know, certain things and hits certain marks, I'm okay? You know, I used to when uh – they were first talking about the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I was like, what? Fast zombies? What? Right. They're, not, they're not supposed to be fast. But I really think it does kind of depend on the type of movie it is. Because there is the, the slow, creeping terror of you can't get away from it. They're just going to overwhelm you with numbers. And there's just nothing you can do about it except sit there and wait to die. Or there's the... Holy fuck! We gotta run our asses off because these things are like flying through the rafters at us because they have no legs, but they're still coming. Right, right. So I yeah. think it just depends on the kind of story that that they're trying to tell. And and yeah, I can I can dig either kind because when you if it is good enough, if the movie is done well enough, well, there there's even with that you have different kinds. Cause if the, is if the movie's shitty enough, you can just sit back and laugh at it and be like, oh, this is terrible. I'm, I'm having a, a fine time with this. Uh, but if it's good enough, you have, like you said, the the sort of inescapable horror of the slow mass of zombies uh, or the surprising deftness 
of the you know zombies with no legs swinging through the rafters or, or whatever the case may be. Your your Resident Evil monster zombies. Uh, your your twenty eight days later that that weren't even really zombies were infected people, but you know let's not mince words. Those are zombie movies. Yeah, there's a couple of them that are that are more infected kind of movies or demonic possession kind of movies, but I still count them. Well, and because that's, they're still fun and they're still kind of technically zombies. Well, let's let's you know, run, even a movie like Slither. Let's run down the list uh, because you have the the traditional meaning of zombie is actually more like what was depicted in the Serpent and the Rainbow. Right. Uh, the the corpse that is reanimated does not have the hunger for flesh and is under someone's control a, a witch doctor or a voodoo priest or, or whatever the case may be like technically that's the only real zombie uh and then you have romero's uh resurrected rotting corpses that hunger for flesh and there there's even a difference there because romero's zombies wanted flesh and then the Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead zombies specifically wanted brains. Although they, I don't think they were too picky. But no, I think they, they ate everything, but they, they specifically requested brains. Yes, brains was like their chocolate. Like that was the hot deal for them. Uh, and they, you know, Romero's are, are slow moving and relentless. And then O'Bannon's uh, Return of the Living Dead zombies... They can run, which that is one of my favorite scenes in all zombie movies because it did turn that on its head because you did see them sort of stumbling around initially and you thought, oh, this is, you know, it's another zombie movie. And then they start running after those kids and you're like, holy fuck, what is happening? No, that's not supposed to happen. Then there's also the difference of Night of the Living Dead looking like people who are just possibly dead or very very sick right something's wrong with them but you can't quite tell but then you get to return of living dead and they're they're oozing slime monsters and they're still recognizably human but holy fuck that's some kind of monster let's get the hell out of here well and to be you know to look at those two different kinds the the rotting the rotting effects shows of return are more entertaining for me to look at but the more human zombies are much scarier. Yes. Because that, you know, that's part of the horror of the modern zombie is, as much as I might find the message a little corny sometimes, it is that they're us, that we have to sit there. You know, it's fun to watch these movies and go, oh, yeah, shoot him in the head, chop his arms off, whatever. But if you do put yourself in that situation of having to somehow maul, uh, kill, stop another human being, it is horrifying. It's much more horrifying than some skeleton dripping goo running towards you to, to actually have a face on it. And as much bravado as I think I would have doing all of my zombie killing in video games, I'm sure that come down to it, it's much, much easier to shoot some kind of tar monster in the face than it is a person who looks like your closest loved one Right. Just with bags under their eyes. Right. And and that is, it's an important difference. And it is, once again, that difference between just sitting back and being entertained by popcorn fun and truly being horrified. 
Uh, and then I have to, just so we don't get too far without bringing them up, well, we're still talking about the different kinds of zombies, and these are definitely different kinds of zombies, uh, the blind dead zombies. Which, it, it, that's, that's in my notes. <laughs> which we, we discovered back in the day, back in the apartment days. Uh, I think just Tombs of the Blind Dead was the first one we saw. Going, I'm pretty sure it is. Just going to Blockbuster and, and renting whatever looked cool in the horror section. Well, I think we'd watched Lost Boys enough at that point. I we had to find something new. <laughs> I watched Lost Boys enough the first time I saw it. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Lost Boys guy. We, we, I'm sorry. I, we rented it several times. You and Pete. <laughs> oh, Pete. Uh, <laughs> I, he would be pleased to know how often he comes up on these shows. He would. We should, <laughs> we should start tagging him. <laughs> Maybe we should include him once even. Uh, but yeah, we watched that first one and I remember being so delighted to find out there were three other movies uh, directed by the guy, uh, Amando DeSorio. Uh, there were three other movies that, that weren't really sequels, but they were all kind of about the same type of, of zombie under the big rotting cassock, the, the desiccated, dried out, like almost more mummy-like zombies that you really weren't sure what their intent was. Like they liked swarming. They really liked swarming and grabbing ankles, uh, and, and it didn't become clear until later that they were eating people. But well, it, it wasn't clear really what they were supposed to be because at one point I think they were Templars. Well, they never mentioned that. But they were on some kind of Spanish galleon or something. Well, there's the there's, very confusing. There's the the Ghost Galleon, which is a movie unto itself, which has the most fantastic foley work of all time. Uh, and that's the one where they're on. They, they don't really give any kind of background. And in Tombs of the Blind Dead, they just kind of come up out of the village. There's one, and, and I haven't watched all of them in a while, but one actually has a, a flashback to Templar-related activities. And that's the one that comes closest to specifically identifying them as Knights Templar. But that that is, I mean, that's pretty much what they are. It's and, possible at this point they're all kind of running together in my head. Oh, for I, sure. I've seen them all now so many times. I yes. can't quite get them all separated because I initially thought that Tombs of the Blinded was the one with the amazing Foley work. Right. Well, that's the, that. well, and they all, the other problem that, that really comes along is each of them has like four different titles because tombs of the blind dead is also night of the blind terror. Um, and then there's the ghost galleon, which is also night of the seagulls, which I think maybe we, we might've even rented that one, not knowing it had anything to do with tombs of the blind dead. And we're delighted when those guys started coming up out of the cargo hold. We were like, holy well, shit, it's those guys. <laughs> it's those guys again. <laughs> right, and, right. And then in my head, the seagull thing, I get it confused with the Lucio Fulci movie with the zombie, I think it's just zombie with an eye series. Right. And there's one where they're attacked by birds all over the place, and it's like Birdemic, but better. Well, well, anything is better. <laughs> talk about a talk about a low hurdle to 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 jump. I know, but they're 
on some kind of island somewhere, which Terry and I always say is Malta. Zombies are always on Malta. But they're attacked by birds constantly because they're zombified birds. And in my head, I always get that still confused with the seagull one because it's so, I guess, thematically similar. Right, right. Well, and those, the because zombie I know very, very well because that one I kind of discovered on my own. Uh, and it was one of those things where it's a zombie fighting a shark. What is happening? (laughs) This is madness. And the fact that it was called zombie two, because Dawn of the dead or, uh, not Dawn of the dead, I guess, uh, night of the living dead was just called zombie in Europe and laws and copyrights and trademarks are a whole lot looser over there than they are over here. So they just, Fulci just filmed this movie and they just acted like it was a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, kind of. Hey, it's a sequel. Shut up your face. <laughs> and Mario made it? <laughs> uh, so that that was, you know, I've, I discovered that one, and it's kind of slimy and gross, and any foreign movie is extra weird because you have cultural stuff that's just different, so it makes it seem even more kind of alien and, and, uh, and disorienting than watching a domestic movie. That's why I got so deep into Asian movies for a while is because I was kind of jaded to American horror. And once you get into the Asian horror, it's a totally different thing because not only do you have whatever story they're presenting, whatever effects there are, but you have those cultural differences that to us make it even more out there and weird. And I, I, don't... I actually have a, a low threshold for certain kinds of Asian horror, not talking like The Grudge or The Ring or, you know, the originals of those. But there's there's a lot of really nasty, realistic-looking torture in some of those Asian movies that I just can't. And that's, that's the actual only time I will throw my hands up in front of my eyes like a girl. And go, oh God, tell me when that stops. Please tell me when she stops ripping out his eyeballs. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a difference there. And I think I have a pretty good ability to to sort of look at something and wonder more how they did it than actually be affected by it being depicted on the screen. But at the same time, yeah, there, like I said, there's there's cultural differences. There's a different level of what's entertaining and what's interesting there and and yeah some of the I, I i did sort of get to a point you know you can only watch so many takeshi Miike movies <laughs> i mean that's just a fact i think and stay I, sane I, I think oh yeah audition was when i was just like nope i'm done not gonna watch anymore well and that one definitely was more of, of a psychological I, I i really hate the word the the term torture porn because i feel like it totally it's, was though well it was, but that's a lazy term that's used to to sort of blanket anything that certain people find uncomfortable. It, it's not necessarily true. Like to to just throw like hostile under the torture porn bus, but it's not. There's a story there, and it's interesting, and you know, it's about the the limits of human endurance, and uh, you know, there's more. It's not just hey, we're going to find a reason to show these horrible things. Like, there's a story behind that. Uh, even the first Saw 
was not just that. And, and I do well, feel and like I, I, I get that. And, and I, I recognize the story behind those, but then I'm sitting next to usually sitting next to someone who's like, Oh my God, it's fucking awesome. Or, whereas I'm hiding behind my fingers. Right. Right. Some people who are sitting next to me watching these, <laughs> it, it is torture porn because they're enjoying it. Right. Whereas I am just like, fuck, really? Do you have to go that far? Well, and, and like Hostel and Saw and things like that, they were silly. But Audition and those some of those Japanese movies—they're not silly. They're right. They're really serious. Yeah, it's and it I is, think that's what makes them tough to watch. It is a tonal difference. You're right. And do you find and and this actually goes back to what we were talking about before with Return of the Living Dead Part Three, where I said, you know, when I was younger, I, I kind of was like, oh, that's awesome, and now I've kind of changed my point of view on that. Hey, do you feel like you've mellowed at all? as you've gotten older on some of this stuff, like not, not that you're more squeamish, but that some stuff you're just like, you know, that's, that's not cool. I don't need to see that. I don't know. It's not that it's, that's not cool or, or, Oh, I just don't want to see that. It's more of, you know, I, I've seen this. It's been done. It's so over the top, like, like wormwood. I tried hard to watch it. I think it's Australian. Yeah, I tried on that one too, and it didn't do it for me. And it was just so over the top and just too much. And I, you, you don't give off some kind of pheromone, pheromone that stops zombies. Just shut up. Put on <laughs> your boobs. <laughs> um, it, it's not that I'm squeamish about it or or affected differently by it. It's it's more that I'm just oh okay. I don't. I'm not 12. I don't need to see your boobs hanging out all over the place. It, just well, put that no, shit away. that's no, I can't, I can't agree with you on that one. <laughs> I think that is always an appropriate situation. If we, if we could, if, if we could fight zombies with boobs, that would be a fine movie. And if that's what and Wormwood would, was, I didn't and, stick with it long enough to find out. And you would die if you out. keep working out. Well, yeah. Uh, so, I think we kind of covered the modern zombies that, that we tend to see now that, you know, they, they vary a little bit, but those are kind of the major differences between them going through the years. I'm trying to think back. It, it's, we did have kind of a glut of independent zombie films as well. And, and I'm not going to claim to be any kind of cinephile who can run down I mean, good gosh, there was, there was a, a phase right at the tail end of the video store days where there was some real garbage making it into video stores to the point where you, you could no longer, you know, back, back, back at our day, you could go into the video store and every once in a while you'd get something that was just garbage you couldn't even watch, but Probably at least 85% of the time, you came away with something that was either pretty cool or so bad it was good. But, the, yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. But right at the end, right when the video stores were in their final decline, people were making movies. Everybody had access to digital cameras. Somebody could produce a movie like on their camera. And there was some shit getting out there and you couldn't go in and just grab something anymore. 
uh, the chances were not great that you were going to get something that was even watchable. But there were some gems, and there are movies like uh, I don't. I'll be interested to see if you've seen these. I bet I bet you've seen them. Uh, there's one called Dead and Breakfast. Love it. It's actually on my list of best zombie comedies. Excellent. Uh, and then, oh man, it just fell right out of my head. That's what I get for not making notes. There's an Australian one. Oh, und- it's just called Undead. I don't know that one. It got really weird. Um, Off the top of my head, I don't know it. And I, it's one of those, nothing delights me more than a movie that takes a left turn I was not expecting. And, and I mean that, not in a we're gonna do, not an M Night Shyamalan way, but in a an interesting, fun way that makes sense in the narrative. And Undead, it's an Australian horror comedy uh, made in two thousand three. Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone. I got it because it was the one of the last movies in the video store that had a cover. Like, you can pick stuff up and look at the cover. Okay, the cover looks like it was done with some skill. It's not too photoshoppy. Then you flip it over and you look at the panels on the back that have scenes from the movie. And if they don't look too grainy or too, like, straight off of some idiot's VHS camcorder, okay, I'll give it a chance. And, and Undead was one of the last movies that was like that. And it's great. I highly recommend it, and it takes a great left turn. Uh, I, um, really, I just looked it up on IMDb. I have not seen it. Oh my gosh, I'm shocked that I could. And and granted, I'm sure there are tons of zombie movies you can name that I have never seen. But I'm really shocked I came up with one. You need to watch that movie and uh, probably review it for NeedlessThingsSite.com. Um, but then it also says that people who like this movie also like Daybreakers. I have not seen Daybreakers. What is that? Uh, it is a vamp- kind of a reverse daytime vampire movie starring Ethan Hawke, and it's terrible. All right. Well, you know, all you have to say is starring Ethan Hawke, and you turn me right off. <laughs> Unless you're talking about uh, reality. No, wait. Yeah, Reality Bites. Or, I don't even like that. Or Training Day. Uh, okay, but it also does recommend if you like this movie, you should watch The Horde. So I think you should watch The Horde. I guess I should. Uh, but yeah, that, there were there were a few gems in those in those years, and the good thing about it was the video stores were dying, so you'd get a movie like this, and then chances are within a couple of weeks you'd be able to pick it up for like three bucks. So I've I've got so like uh, Cemetery Man. Oh, Cemetery Man. Okay, that's I'm glad you brought Cemetery Man up because. That warrants conversation. I love that movie. The first time I saw Cemetery Man, it blew my mind because I I am not an artsy film guy for the most part. There are certain kinds what? of... No. Right, exactly. I just talked about tits scaring zombies away. Who would have thought <laughs> I wouldn't be a big artsy film guy? And I can appreciate... You know, stuff from the Coen brothers. I can appreciate Terry Gilliam. Brazil is one of my favorite movies, but you gotta get me at the right time, and I've gotta be in the right frame of mind to watch them. Uh, and Cemetery Man, I had never seen anything like it that incorporated the horror elements into this sort of beautiful movie at the same time. And the first time I saw it, I absolutely fell in love with it. 
Uh, I think I spent a good chunk of change to buy it on VHS because it, it has never had really good distribution as a movie. When VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, it's never been the sort of thing that you're going to walk into Best Buy and just find. Granted, you can walk into Best Buy now and you're not going to find anything anyway because they're, they're going the way of the video store. But, uh, it's one of those movies that you had to sort of work a little bit to find. Uh, and I've owned it on VHS and I bought, uh, somebody did a special edition DVD maybe uh, eight, eight, nine years ago. And I bought it, and my gosh, I thought it was so boring. And I'm not saying really? it's I'm not saying that it's bad, uh, because you know how hyperactive my taste and my brain can be. Uh, but I sat down. I was so excited about watching it too. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to see this again." And uh, what's it, Rupert Everett? Uh, yeah. You know, I, by that point, you know, the first time I saw Cemetery Man, I didn't know who the hell he was. Well, it wasn't anybody at the time, right? Uh, well, no, I think because I think it came out in Europe before it came out here, and I think by the time it got any kind of distribution here, he had maybe been in something. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't know who he was. By that time, I'd seen him in a couple other things. I was like, oh yeah, I get to see Rupert Everett back in this old movie back before he, you know, film before he was anybody. And I put it in, and I fell asleep in like fifteen minutes. And I was like, oh, I guess I was tired. I put it back in. and I was like, no. I just don't dig this movie anymore. And That's so sad. I, I would I know. a VHS copy if you don't want it. Uh, well, no, I no, still I've enjoy got, it. <laughs> I've, got it on, I've got it on DVD. I bought the, the super special DVD that probably Anchor Bay, but I'm not sure, uh, put out. And, but have you come across, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a zombie movie, are there any movies that you've revisited after you know five, six, seven years and been like, ugh, this is not my jam anymore. I, I mean, besides the um, the movies that I liked when I was a kid, like, you know, Goonies does not hold up. Oh, you're so as right. An adult. Oh, thank you so much for I saying that. I wanted it to, but it really does I know. not. It's unwatchable. I, I totally agree with you. Most people do not agree with us, and listeners, I, uh, I apologize for this, <laughs> but we are not Goonies people. I, I was when I was a kid. I fucking loved it. Yes. Yes. And, and now I'm just like, shut the fuck up, Sean Astin. Just go away. Just shut up and go away. Well, even even Corey Feldman is annoying in it. And I thought he was the coolest person I'd ever seen when I was a kid. And now oh, I'm like, I know. I used to watch all his movies. I used to watch all that. The two Corey's movies. Watched them all. Not I, that any of them would be watchable now, but Goonies, just, ugh. Well, I don't know. License to Drive might still be a classic. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I haven't tried in a while. I will say this for Corey Feldman. He is still fantastic as Donatello in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <sighs> I, I, all right, all I will right. just have to let you go with that one. So, uh, you know, I, I can't think of anything that's just you know, within 10 years old that doesn't hold right. up for me anymore. Right. It's mostly things that I watched when I was a kid, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome, and now it sucks ass. Like like Lost Boys. I can't watch Lost Boys anymore. Oh, really? Or, yes, you can't do it. It's probably overwatching. <laughs> probably overwatching with Pete. Oh, yeah. Now, okay, that's another interesting one. Is there anything, aside from Lost Boys, uh, that you have just watched too damn many times, and you're like... I, I can't do it anymore. 
which Lost Boys, of, Lost Boys really should be a good enough example. It, it should be, but then there's kind of sometimes uh, Army of Darkness. I totally understand that. Uh, and I, I kind of hate myself for saying that, but know. it's just, I've seen it so many times. Well, and here's the thing. And, and I, I know it all by heart. <laughs> And you know, I mean, I've got the freaking movie poster tattooed on my leg and signed by Bruce Campbell. But I went through a time where I had kind of had enough of Army of Darkness. I'd watched it so many times. And as fun as it is, it's not as rewatchable as Evil Dead 2 or even the first Evil Dead. Right. It doesn't have... It's almost too self-aware to have the charm that those two movies have. But I, I discovered new joy in it watching it with my son because for what I, th- I don't know if I was doing something for the show or for the site, but I watched it again and in watching it or maybe sci-fi was showing it and I just left it on and I was like, this movie is, it's a cartoon. Like, all of the violence is against these cartoonish monster zombies. You let your child watch that? Go what monster are you? No, listen. Go watch it again. It is... It's it's a freaking cartoon. There's very little actual gore. Um, it It's not as R as you remember it being. Uh, and I was... I, surp- I, I was think it's... It's more also that I, I got just worn out of people quoting it constantly. <laughs> what, what are you trying Shut to say? Shut the fuck up about your boomstick. <laughs> well, and it did, uh, once, once it got embraced, and I, and I hate to sound like the jaded old punker guy or whatever, but there is a certain amount of truth to when something you love gets embraced by popular culture, it does lose some of its charm. Uh, and, and because part, and this is where hipsters come from. Part of the charm of, of something like that is I found it. It's mine. You know, me and my friends really dig it. But then once everybody starts liking it, it's just not as, it's not as special. It's not, it's not your own secret language anymore. You know, back in the day, you, you know, me or Terry or you or, or evil or anybody could drop a line from that movie and we'd be like, yeah, aha, we, we know that because that's our giggle, movie. Giggle, giggle. We all get that. Right. But now everybody gets it. And that is once again, and someday historians will go back to the needless things podcast and reconstruct all of the times that I mentioned the fact that the internet is destroying society. And this will be another one. The internet. Or, or that we're old. The internet has fucked up niche entertainment. Because now everybody can access anything. You don't have to put any effort. Like I was talking about with Cemetery Man. Uh, I actually, you know, had to put effort into tracking that thing down. Now, you can fucking type Google it and watch it right on your computer in the space of five minutes. And that makes it, you know, it doesn't make it less of a movie. It doesn't make it less of a well-made story, but it does make it less special, and that's just well, a fact. I, I remember uh, bitching last year because I couldn't find a copy of the movie Demons 
reasonably priced, and I'd been looking for it at cons for years, and then all of a sudden there's like 12,000 special editions on Amazon, and Sharon bought it for me for Christmas, and I'm, I don't think it cost her hardly anything. Shout Factory and, put out Demons and Demons 2, uh, excellent Blu-ray editions. I, I got both of them. They're fucking awesome. Well, I, I don't care for Demons 2 as much as I like Demons, but... Well, of course, but it's still... Pretty. I mean, when's the last time you saw it? Uh, last time I saw Demons, uh, last month. No, 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 Demons Two. Oh, Demons Two. Uh, give geez, it a give it been a, fifteen years. Give it a chance again. Okay. It's it's not as good, but I think w- with a different perspective on it, uh, with kind of some nostalgia attached to it, it, it could be pretty good. You might well, you might enjoy. It's still going to be gross, and it's still right. Italian, and it's still from that that whole group of really awesome Italian zombie gore filmmakers. So I, I will give it another shot. So to get back on the zombie track, uh, <laughs> we, we mentioned right at the beginning the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I know we were all not excited about. Because why are you remaking essentially the greatest zombie movie of all time? Why is this happening? We don't want this. Oh, shit, not only that, it's by the guy. Actually, I don't think the Scooby-Doo movies were out yet. I, so I, I will go ahead and put that over. If, if anybody doesn't know it, uh, James Gunn wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake. Who He also wrote the first two live-action Scooby-Doo movies and also gave us Guardians of the Galaxy and Slither and all kinds of cool stuff. Essentially, everything James Gunn touches is golden. Uh, super. Also, James Gunn. If you have not seen Super, you have to. Uh, but that Dawn I really of the, liked it, and I didn't think I would. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting much either because Rain Wilson. I'm I'm really yeah, not so much. Yeah, well, I'm really hot and cold on him. Uh, sometimes I love him. Sometimes I find him or, or the characters he's playing. Uh, like he's he's got a thing that he does, and sometimes I was say characters. Uh, well, right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was great. It was great. So, this Dawn of the Dead comes out, and I'm pretty sure I went to see it in the theater because I am, you know, I can't help myself. And it's, it's fucking great. It's an update. And yes, the zombies are fast, but it works. All the characters are fantastic. We got to, or at least I met Sarah Polly for the first time, who is an awesome ambassador of horror and has done some really cool stuff and starred in one of the last horror movies that I found truly and genuinely disturbing. Um, Ooh, what was that? Oh shit. What was it? It's, it's her and nose guy and they create some kind of life form. Oh, I know that movie you're talking about. Uh, I saw that. Shit. All right. Listeners, Bear with us as we go to Google and look up this movie that creeped me the fuck out that I cannot remember. I I remember Spli- watching it one Splice. night on... Uh, Splice? Yes. Is that it? Yes, that is it. Oh, my gosh. That movie, uh, it had been a long time since something had, like, really... And this Splice came out six years ago, seven years ago. Knows no, that Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, Yes. Uh, who, who was very good in Predators, despite my expectations. 
Uh, but despite splice, that movie sucking, yeah. Uh, what? No, I liked Predators. I didn't like what? I didn't like. Uh, yeah, I thought Predators was really good. Meh. I dug it. Uh, but Splice, man, it it disturbed me, and I'm not gonna say I necessarily liked it, but I liked the fact that it affected me because you know I've seen all kinds of different crazy shit now. Uh, I don't know that I liked it either, but it was. It was really interesting, and it was really weird, and it was really different, and that that kind of takes a lot for me. Well, and and you know what's another one, and and we've gotten off track from zombies, but I don't think the listeners will mind, because if they're listening, they're probably horror fans. Uh, Another one that was kind of like that was Splinter. That It didn't disturb me in the way that Splice did, but it was so different and so interesting, and we got... It was so small and but still scary. Uh, did you see that one? I'm trying to remember it. Uh, it's um, it's a parasite that infects people and turns them into these like crackling, pointy, creepy, horrible life forms. If you haven't you know, seen it, it came I out just and, looked it up and I don't think I've seen this. Oh my gosh! So that's two movies tonight I haven't seen. Beth and listeners, put on your list: Undead and Splinter, two fantastic movies. Splinter is one that I immediately, after we watched it, I immediately went out and bought because it was it was so powerful and so good. And I wonder now if the the person that did Splinter has done anything else because it was so amazing. Toby Wilkins uh, directed Splinter, and also on his resume, ooh, The Grudge 3. Ooh. And, I didn't even know there was a Grudge 3. And that's it. All right, Hollywood, you need to get your shit together and give Toby Wilkins another job because Splinter was badass. And I, I, I'll say this, I know I've seen The Grudge 3, and... My reaction to it was, oh, this isn't terrible. And it may have been better than I was giving it credit for because I was so surprised by the fact that it was not terrible. You uh, know, this isn't terrible isn't always a selling point to me yeah, anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. But it, it was, uh, anyway, Splinter. Check out Splinter. So, back on the zombie take, Dawn of the Dead uh, in 2003, or 2004 rather, was very, very good, so good that it made a shit ton of money and inspired more zombie movies. And I guess we should go ahead and just get right down to it and talk about zombies coming to television by way of The Walking Dead. Now, I I was not with The Walking Dead comic from the start. A friend of mine... Uh, my my buddy Matt, who I haven't seen in a while, Matt, come on, come back out to the pay-per-views, man. Uh, Matt gave me the first trade paperback collection of the Walking Dead comics for my birthday one year. And it blew my mind. And fortunately, I think the, the regular series was only a few issues past that. So I went and picked up what I needed and followed it ever since then. So I've been with it probably since issue 10 or 11, maybe 12. But since then, I've been reading the comic. 
and it is consistently the very best comic book I've read. Uh, it's, it's had times where it maybe wasn't as exciting, but I've always felt that the story was strong. So when it was announced that AMC was going to be adapting The Walking Dead for television, I was not excited because my reaction to the announcement that something I love is being adapted for television or for a movie is they're going to fuck it up. I'm not excited about The Dark Tower. I'm not excited about Preacher. Uh, I love these things. They are very near and dear to me. And while I will still always have the original material to go to, I know I'm going to have to check it out. And if it sucks, I'm going to be pissed because I'm a fan. But then The Walking Dead announced that Frank Darabont one of my favorite directors was going to be running the show for the first season. And he created one of my favorite horror movies of all time, the mist. So we have Frank Darabont, we have the walking dead, and I'm actually cautiously hopeful about the show before I say what I thought about the first season, Beth, what's your walking dead history? Cause I think you came into the comic probably at a similar time that I did. Yeah, and I don't think I was reading it from the very, very beginning, but I came in pretty early. I know I bought the very first trade after it came out because I I just, if I'm going to buy a comic and get invested in it, I'm going to buy the trade. And I know that it's even more economically sound to wait and buy the the annual, but I just can't wait that long. So I usually buy the trades just because I, I like the, the fancy glossy paper, and I like that it takes up less room than a giant stack of comics. Sure. I'm pretty sure it was the first trade that I bought, and I was reading it ever since. And it's kind of gotten, at this point, hit or miss. I still read it. It's still, you know, I'll look at it, but I don't go out and seek it the way I used to before it became a TV show. Well, it's still it's still compelling, but I don't think it's as exciting as it used to be. Right. Well, we also had very little else. And what I was... I was actually excited when I heard it was going to be a TV show because, to me, The Walking Dead was always more about the people than it was about the zombies. Because sure. if I want to look at zombies, I can go look at any crappy movie or play any billions of the video games that I have that have zombies. I want to look at them. But it's it was more about the characters and what they did in the zombie apocalypse to me than it was about the zombies. And I, I was really interested in it kind of from the get-go just because it was such a compelling story. And even though the characters were a little you know, the, guy, the bad guys are kind of one-dimensional and Fairly similar. I don't think that Negan is all that much different than the governor. Um, I, I still thought that it was an interesting story, and I was really looking forward to seeing it done as a weekly because I had wanted it to be a movie up until that point, knowing that there would be a really shitty movie because you can't cover hundreds of comics, or at that time, a hundred comics maybe, in a two-hour movie. Right, right. So yeah, I was the, looking forward to it being a, a weekly thing or an ongoing thing, and even if it didn't do well, I knew that I would get more than a movie's worth out of it. 
Yeah, and that is, I mean, television show is is definitely the way to go. As as Netflix has shown us with the Marvel comics adaptations, you can get so much deeper into character, uh, tell such interesting, such more interesting stories than you can with just an hour and a half to two and a half hours of movie. I never thought I would like Daredevil again. <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, didn't think I wanted to see Elektra again either. <laughs> oh gosh. <Ugh. laughs> um, so Walking Dead happened. It came on and I loved the first season and the first season hewed pretty close to the comic story. Rick behaved pretty much like Rick behaved. Shane obviously lasted a little bit longer on the show than, than Shane of the comic lasted. Uh, it, it was, it was slightly different, but in a good way, but it still was generally sticking with the way the characters behaved and how the world worked. So, I really dug the first season. I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out. And, and then of course got swindled because shortly thereafter they released like the special edition Walking Dead Blu-ray season one, uh, which is pretty irritating and pretty shitty of AMC. That's why I don't buy shit anymore. Uh, yeah. Well, you're smarter than I am. And then season two came along and I don't know how quickly I became disenchanted with the show, but I know by the end of season two, I was not happy anymore. And I stopped watching. I I thought it was longer ago than it was. I stopped watching with spoiler alert for the listeners when Beth died, because that to me, that was, it was all the storytelling had been really bad up to that point. I was, was really, what? huh? It was just last season. Right. It was. And, and I thought it was longer ago than that, but it wasn't. It's just that they have so much time between production. And now with the season breaks, the television shows get, uh, but if you think about it last season, that was 2014. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, so, I was not happy with it going into season four. As a matter of fact, I think I had stopped watching at some point in season, what are we in? Season six now or five? Yeah, six. We're in six now. Okay. So I think I stopped watching in season four and then came back to it when five started for some reason. I don't remember exactly why. Uh, and then I watched a few episodes and then when they killed Beth, I, I felt like it was shitty. I felt like at that point I was only watching to see the zombie effects because they did some amazing stuff. That one episode where they go to the convenience store and all the zombies start falling through the ceiling. That was amazing. We'd never seen anything like it. It was fantastically done. It was shot beautifully. And, and that's really my issue with the show is there's so many masters of their craft working on that show it's shot beautifully. You have Greg Nicotero, who is one of the best ever. You have brilliant things going on, but all of the character work, I absolutely fucking hate. Uh, and it's not, at this point, I don't think it's because they're so different from the comics, because they've been so different from the comics for so long now that there's separation there. Uh, I just got to the point where I didn't like it, and then they killed Beth. They had the season break. And when they came back, 
about three episodes into the return of the season, I looked at the DVR and I was like, oh, those have come back. I need to watch those. And I, and I just said, no, I don't. And I deleted them all. And that was it. I, I, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. So Beth, you're still watching it. I mean, are you, are you really like invested? Are you down with it? Or is it just kind of a habit? Sorry, hang on. Terry, Terry's just coming home and he was struggling with the door. I want to hear what Terry says about The Walking Dead. I don't know that Terry said anything about The Walking Dead. Hey, baby, what do you think about The Walking Dead? Go fuck yourself. He said go fuck yourself. <laughs> Not to you. But no, to The Walking Dead. I, I'm right there with him. Uh, Rich and Sharon and I actually sat and watched it. The um, season finale and... The highlight of the episode was seeing Rich standing behind one of the survivor guys. <laughs> That's right. He's He's got work. Yes. Uh, but he's standing directly behind Aaron at one point doing the whistling thing. Yeah, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Rich, is is on the show. As, uh, I, well, he's not, he's not an extra. He's, he's one of the – is he one of the saviors? Well, he's, a, I think, an extra savior. Okay, but but I mean, he has uh, unless they decide to blow his head apart, he has what could be a recurring role. I mean, he'll they'll they'll bring him out and stick him in in the scenes. I mean, that's that's good work. So good for Rich. Uh, Sorry, I didn't realize you weren't pausing when Terry came home. <laughs> no, I'm not pausing. We don't pause. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll bring Terry into this thing. But uh, so Walking Dead wise. You, I mean, I, I'm are still, you I'm digging still it? Watching it, but I'm, I'm, I don't mind moving off the comics. I don't mind going off book. No, that I don't have a problem with that either. But, but I, I don't feel like they're telling good stories, and I don't like any of these characters. Do no, you I, like I, the characters? I don't like the constant, now constant, uh, teasers of oh, somebody might be dead. And in the same season, oh, Glenn's dead. Oh, Daryl got shot. Oh, now we don't know who got their head beaten in. I'm tired of it. Terry just said it was Patrick Duffy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let me tell you, uh, I checked back in because I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And in the comics, unlike what you said, I found Negan to be very different from the governor because the governor uh, struck me as being very – and he was a crazy person. They did not depict him quite like that on the show, but in the comics, the governor was fucking nuts. Uh, yeah, but so is Negan. Well, no, he's not, though. Negan's an asshole. Negan is amoral, but he has his shit together. He is running a massive community larger than, than anything else we've, we've yet, we've yet seen in the comics. And he's doing it with brutality. He's doing it with the threat of violence and with fear, but Negan has his shit together. He's not crazy. He's just evil. Well, he's not even evil. He's amoral. Uh, I found him to be very different from the governor. So I wanted, I was willing to check back in because I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, because I like Negan to see what was going on. So, uh, uh, the episode I've been, I keep up with the show through recaps. 
because reading recaps online takes like, you know, five minutes of my time as opposed to the hour that Walking Dead, you know, would potentially take or the nap that would be induced by watching The Walking Dead. Uh, and I checked back in for the episode where, once again, spoiler alert, Rick decides to murder a bunch of people in their sleep. You want to talk about amoral and evil, Rick is that in the show now. Well, as, as I've said before when talking about The Walking Dead, and I think I've said this in things that I've written before, good and evil depends on what side of the fence you're standing on. And and our, our group of survivors that we follow isn't necessarily good. They're just alive. But this, to me, was Rick crossing a line, making the decision to murder a large group of people because of the threat that they might represent. That is very different from anything else he's ever done. But I watched this episode because I wanted to see where it was going, and I forgot that these are now 16 episodes long, so I thought I was watching the penultimate episode of the season. I thought I was going to watch this one, and then it would be the season finale, and Negan would show up. So I watched that episode, and like every other episode of The Walking Dead I've ever watched, it was 40 minutes of conversation and hemming and hawing and about eight minutes of action. And I was like, yep, same as it ever was. I cannot give a shit about this show, but I'll tune in next week to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan do whatever it is he's going to do because they spent the whole season promising a significant death, promising brutality with interviews with the actors, promising something that was so horrible and uncomfortable that they were sick the next day, that, you know, whatever the case may be, something absolutely, like, genre-changing was going to happen on this show. So I was like, I'll tune in and check it out. So I watched that episode. I didn't like it. And then I found out that there were four more fucking episodes after that one, and I was like, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't. And I read the recaps, and it sounds like basically what I felt like it was going to be is a bunch of filler just to get to Negan not actually killing anybody significant because we don't know. It was the worst cop-out I've ever heard of in television. How did you feel watching it? Do you feel like it was a cop-out, or do you feel like it was an interesting plot device? Uh, no, I was pretty fucking furious. <laughs> <laughs> because... And you, I believe you wrote about it. I I think I did. Is it this um, week's post? Well, no, that's more about Fear the Walking Dead and how terrible that was. I, yeah, I, but I think you put something up about, uh, well, anyway, so yes, you were disappointed. You felt like we'd gotten cheated. Well, uh, spoilers for people who haven't read the comic, but Glenn's supposed to die. Right. At the hands of Negan. With the baseball bat, that's supposed to be your first introduction to Negan. Is he shows up, he kills Glenn horribly, and it, and it was it was horrifying and upsetting because you know as much as the comic had set the stakes to where anybody could die at any time, you didn't think Glenn was going to be that guy. Uh, and because Glenn when, is a genuinely nice character. Well, he's genuinely nice, and he's genuinely useful and irreplaceable. Like he's and been around for so long. He's he's not just fodder. He's a get it done guy. Yeah, and 
it was it was shocking. It's one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in a comic book, and I feel like the show spoiled that by giving us the faint a few episodes prior, where Glenn fell under a dumpster or some shit, and and they they were like teasing that he had died, but then he didn't die. So now the episode ended. For those that that did not watch it and do not care about spoilers. The episode ended with a POV shot of Negan smashing one of the characters in the head. So whoever it was, we were seeing their point of view while Negan murdered them with the base with with uh the baseball bat. Lucille. Lucille, thank you. I that slipped my mind for a moment. But they the show did not reveal whose point of view we were seeing. So you have to tune in next season to find out who bought it. I but think if you, if you read the comics, Negan doesn't believe in killing women and children. So we know it's not Carl. Well, we don't know that though, because the the show has definitely made a point of you know if you read the comics, Andrea is one of the most likable and valuable characters, and in the show, Andrea was a hot piece of garbage. But I also. Uh, have read several things where they've the producers and the, the writers have said they're trying to keep Negan as close to the comics as possible. <laughs> yes, but but they also said we would have a huge death at the end of the <laughs> season that would be very affecting, and they did not deliver that. So you can't trust those fuckers. Uh, so um, so disappointing ending to the season. But the point really is that zombies are on television. And it seems to have somewhat taken them out of movie theaters. We're not really getting zombie movies anymore because it seems like Hollywood feels like their television domain now. And I feel like that's disappointing because, you know, Walking Dead is is sort of a constant at this point, especially now that there are two awful, boring Walking Dead shows on. Do you think somebody is going to be able to come up with a device interesting enough to bring zombies back to movie theaters? Well, I had wanted them to with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but that (laughs) obviously did not happen. (laughs) Which, listeners, you can find Beth's review of said movie on NeedlessThingsSite.com. And it was horrible. (laughs) Um, I wanted it to be good, but it was not good. Um... And and there's crap like Zombievers and oh. I I honestly didn't like the second Dead Snow. No, I didn't. Really, did, I didn't like it. I wanted to like it. I can't even bring myself to watch Maggie, but that's more because Schwarzenegger's in it, and I can't deal with not understanding what he's saying. Is that on Netflix yet? It's not on Netflix yet. I'm pretty sure I toyed with the idea of renting it on a red box just because it was a dollar or something. Right, right. But I never I never got around to it just because it, it looked kind of slow and kind of Schwarzenegger-y. Well, I heard good things about it, but yeah, like you said, there's there's a real good chance that's going to be a little bit slow. I, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to see zombie glory anytime soon as long as Walking Dead is, is on television because... I think, unfortunately, the general consensus is that that show is owning it, and it is the gold standard of zombie entertainment, which I don't agree with at all. 
but I don't think Hollywood feels like that's a genre or a monster that they want to mess with because it's no, probably. I think it, it's going to be smaller films. Like uh, I actually liked uh, Life After Beth. Yes, that was great. Really enjoyed that. That was only two years ago, and Walking Dead was on then. But I, I think it'll be smaller films like that, more indie kind of films. But that's probably where you're going to get the good movies from, I think, from here on out. Because otherwise it's going to be sci-fi crap. Uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There was another one. Life After Beth was fantastic, which... Uh, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I wasn't expecting much from it, and I watched it, and I had a lot of fun. But it reminded me of another one that's, that's a little older called Dance of the Dead. Yes. That was so much fun, so great. Another one that I immediately went out and bought after we watched it. Uh, and there are, it seems to me, oh, gosh, you know what? I've got to put over cooties. I still haven't seen that. Oh, I really want to, but I haven't seen it. Dude, you have to watch Cooties. Listeners, Beth, just go, honestly buy it. Cooties has the phantom seal of approval. It's so much fun. Look, if you like seeing undead children uh, destroyed by Elijah Wood... You're gonna dig this movie. It, it's smart, it's funny, but it's also, uh, very gruesome. It has kind of that Return of the Living Dead sort of snarky attitude to it. Such a good flick. Very good. And it's fun. It's just sitting here, you know, questioning whether or not we're gonna get good zombie movies again. Yeah, they may not make it to theaters, but uh, video on demand is becoming a very viable source of good entertainment. And Cooties, you know, it hit there first and is a great fucking movie. So for those, for those making a list at home, Cooties, Dance of the Dead, um, Splinter, not a zombie movie, but an excellent horror flick, Undead, and, uh, what were we talking about that led me to Dance of the Dead? Uh, all right. You guys are just going to have to rewind and go back to it. <laughs> That's, that's um, but happen. but if we're talking Dance of the Dead, I would also recommend Boy Eats Girls. I didn't watch that one. That's good. I liked it a lot. That, um, it, in in the same way that Dance of the Dead is good, it's it's funny, it's cute, it's it's not serious. I I enjoyed it a lot, just so like I enjoyed Juan of the Dead. I still have not watched Juan of the Dead. I have heard uh, nothing. If, if you're gonna take a foreign zombie movie. Go Juan of the Dead, skip Cockneys versus Zombies. I, yeah, and you know what? That might be what turned me off a little bit. Is I, I did try to watch Cockneys versus Zombies at one point. It was just terrible. Oh, terrible. Um, so and you would think you would think uh, the cast of Guy Ritchie movies battling zombies would be fun, but it wasn't. Oh yeah, I know. So disappointing because I love Guy Ritchie stuff. Um, so let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk about some of the best and a uh, couple of the worst. Do you have you you actually have a list sitting in front of you? What what have you got that you feel like this is the stuff people have to watch? Um, so my list, a lot of it we've already talked about. If you're going to go zombie comedy, besides Shaun of the Dead, which of course everyone has now seen, and if sure. you haven't, shame on you. <laughs> um, 
you should see Cemetery Man, Dead and Breakfast, Boy Eats Girl, and Reanimator. Oh, we Even totally it's a dark comedy, but I love Reanimator. We totally yeah. glossed over Reanimator, one of my favorite films of all time. But you know what? I don't tend to think of it as a zombie movie, even it's though it's not technically, but kind of. Right, right. I mean, it, it fits into the genre because it's really it's a genre that has a pretty loose definition. Yeah, and and the thing is, here's the amazing thing: all of the Reanimator movies are good. Oh yeah, um, even the ones you wouldn't think would be good. Right, uh, Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, um, what Reanimator Revisited or whatever the third one was called. I, can't I, I think it is Revisited. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, all the Reanimator movies, super good. And part of it is because they're all done by the same people. It's all Stuart Gordon and uh, Herbert West, whose name I, the, I can never remember the actor's name that plays Herbert West. Yeah, though, I can't either. It's such a stupid mental block to have because he's in the Frighteners. He's fantastic. He does the voice of the question on Justice League. He's fantastic. Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Yes. yes I had a great moment of mental recovery in my old, <laughs> old age. Um, yeah, I, I would. I haven't seen uh, that you've given me some stuff on the list that I've got to that I've got to check out. Uh, um, so, I, if you're going to go foreign, though, because I have I have separate lists. Do it. Um, the Horde, I think, is French. Recommend we've, it. We've established that you have a fondness for the Horde. I will check it out. Uh, Pool, even though that's Canadian. I did not dig it at all. Really? Not my jam. I loved it. I did not. Uh, did you see Rambach? What? Rambach. R-A-M-M-B-O-C-K. It's German, and it is fucking amazing. I haven't even heard of that one. Oh, it's so good. I think that's the first thing we've talked about that I like have not even uh, a, a bit of awareness about. Wow, okay, Rambach. We uh, found it on Netflix. It's Is it like Ramstein? No, not even. Damn it. Sorry. I want a movie about an undead industrial band. Okay, you may get that someday. I'm going to make it <laughs> is what I'm going to do. Uh, it's Let's see, the secondary title is Berlin Undead. Okay. Don't let that mess you up, but it came out in 2010, and it is fucking good. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Like, it is so good. Uh, I kind of want to watch it again right now. Wow. All right. Strong yeah. recommendation for Rambach. Now... What about so that's the, my best. What about the dregs? And I, I want to I want to start the dregs off with the absolute worst zombie movie I have ever seen, and this is saying something because I have seen some rancid turds. Zombie Lake. It is currently available, I think, on Netflix, but it might be Amazon Prime. But this is not even bad in a good way. This is dudes spray-painted green acting like zombies. Uh, they're Nazi zombies, which usually is a good thing. But in this case, not so much. But the interesting thing about this movie is it's directed by Jean Rolin. Jean Rolin, I don't know. It's some French guy. But it is horrendous. It might be good if you watch it with a bunch of friends drinking, but in no way is it tolerable if you're watching it as an individual by yourself hoping for any kind of entertaining movie. Absolute drizzling shits. 
what uh what rotten zombie movies do you have i i am skipping over shit like flight of the living dead and rise of the zombies starring denny trejo oh gosh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm skipping all of that stuff and i'm going to real movies that wanted to be good but just were not and cockneys versus zombies is one of them okay Diary and Survival of the Dead. Oh, come on. on Don't don't on Diary. I love, uh, we we call him Unky George. (laughs) And as much as we love him, I cannot get down with Diary of the Dead or Survival of the Dead. Oh, well. But that's also my uh, thing against found footage. Sure, I can't do any found footage. I I can understand Um, that. The very worst zombie movie I've ever seen that was a real intended, meant to be a serious zombie movie, House of the Dead. Oh, thank you so much, because that was my other turd. Uh, the worst. And I, I knew it wasn't going to be good, because it was based on a video game I used to play drunk at Dave & Buster's. Well, but that doesn't necessarily, because we, we've missed, we've got to wrap it up, but we've missed a few things. Um I, I will say House of the Dead, worst movie I've ever seen, even worse than It's Pat, even worse than Zombie Lake. Uh, Uwe Ball is a blight on humanity and should not be allowed to even touch cameras or, like, he shouldn't even be allowed to hold, uh, to own a cell phone that has a camera in it. Uh, he's hot garbage. Uh, but uh, we've got to talk about the Resident Evil movies. You and I, both big fans of those. Um, big fans of the first one, and I'm a big fan of parts of the rest of them. Well, I don't, the second one is the only one that I don't care for. All the rest of them, I, I really dig. I, I like those movies. They're fun. Okay, I, I will watch the second one on cable TV when it comes on, because I like the pimp character. Instead of calling everyone bad motherfuckers, she calls them bad motivators. <laughs> Um, so, so I enjoy that a lot because it reminds me of Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Well, I, I let me tell you my my t- dirty collector shame. So, a few years ago, Walmart, when uh, one of the Resident Evil movies hit Blu-ray, Walmart had all of them in steel box or steelbook packaging, and they were like ten bucks a piece, I think. And I didn't have. I didn't have any of them on Blu-ray, and there were a few that I didn't own at all. So I bought all of them in Steelbooks, even the second one that I don't even like. But I bought it because I was like, ooh, Steelbook packaging. I'll have them all on the shelf together. They'll look all nice and fancy. I am. I'm such a sucker. All right. Before we go, real quick, we've got to bring one uh, mention one of the greatest of all time. And I understand why we did not bring it up because – uh, there have been things that this man has done that are not so great and that for me personally I'm not a giant fan of because as much as I'm a giant dork, I'm not that type of dork. We have to bring up Peter Jackson's Dead Alive before we go. Yeah, that's, that's a whole – I could do a whole podcast just on Peter Jackson. Dead and- Alive changed the game for me. Uh, much like Cemetery Man, it was unlike anything I had seen. Uh, the gore is over the top. You know, it's green oatmeal. It's ridiculous, but it's so creative and interesting. 
and so much more visionary. You know, as much as I love some of the movies that we've talked about, Dead Alive is a whole other level of filmmaking. And it's the reason Peter Jackson got to go on and do all the things that he did. Because he's that creative, he's that brilliant, he's that funny. Uh, I, and I don't remember when I saw Dead Alive. It was probably in the apartment with you guys. Do you, do you remember when you saw it first or if we saw it at the same time or what? I don't honestly know. I think, I, I think we may have seen it at the same time because I don't have any memory of it before watching it with you guys. But I'm super old and forgetful. Th- so. Things are fading. Yeah, uh, I want to say things need to fade. I want to say that you know what? I actually might have been introduced to it uh, when I worked at the Masquerade in Atlanta. Uh, the head of security there opened me up to a lot of different horror stuff that I'd never even been aware of, and I think he might be the guy that introduced me to Dead Alive, uh, which shortly after that would have been Apartment Days. But I think that's where I discovered it, and once again, I'm pretty sure Anchor Bay, or it might have been Elite are the ones that put the VHS out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, props to Dead Alive. I think that's a good way to go out. Listeners, if you have not seen Dead Alive, which I find something absolutely inconceivable, but if you haven't, you must watch it. It's amazing. It's funny. Go away and come back after you've seen it. uh, Yes, it's gruesome. And uh, I think that's a good way to go out. Beth, how do you feel about the zombie conversation? You know, I feel pretty good. I, I still like zombies. I, I may get bored of them from time to time, but I'm always open for new and interesting zombies, and I, I'm waiting for the next good take on a zombie story. Well, and I think that's kind of the key, is that they're not a specific monster. They're not Dracula. They're not a werewolf. They're, there's sort of an endless way to depict zombies and their conflict with living humans, you know, whether it's apocalyptic, whether it's small scale, whatever the case may be, there are lots of different interpretations and there's still interesting things to be done with the genre, which is why I think it's been around and successful for as long as it has. Uh, and also I hope both of those shitty walking dead shows get canceled sooner than later. <laughs> Un- until next time, Beth, thank you so much for coming on and uh, doing this double, triple, last-minute episode. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> and uh, what you pay me for. Uh, yeah, right. That sweet, sweet podcast blogging <laughs> money. And uh, we will have you back in just a few weeks to talk about X-Men some more. And uh, that's all we got for you today. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. And we're done for another week. Ladies and gentlemen, Phantomaniacs, let me direct you to the mystery men who provide our interstitial music for the Needless Things podcast. To Les Sexoflex, who provide the intro music for the Needless Things podcast. And to Belligerent Monkey, our old pal Jay, who provided the cover art for this week's episode. Thank you to everyone that supports this show Please go to patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker and see if you want to pitch in to help this show out. A dollar will uh, get you an internet high five. 
$30 will get you the Needless Things Mystery Box each and every month. And then there are rewards ranging uh, in between. Everything from original art to t-shirts once we print them to all kinds of stuff. So go to patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker and see what I have to offer you besides this show that I provide each and every week for your entertainment. Available via iTunes, Stitcher, and NeedlessThingsSite.com. And of course, if you can't pitch in a dollar, then you can at least spread the word. If you enjoyed the show, if you liked our zombie talk this week, or if you go back in the archives, which are available for free, then spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your rich friends. If you have rich friends... Please tell them about the Needless Things podcast. They probably don't even need the Needless Things mystery box, uh, which would make it, I guess, doubly needless. I don't know. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Even if you're just listening, I appreciate it, and I love you guys.
for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.